Amen. That's good stuff. Simple, wonderful truth. Beautifully communicated. I just love it. Love it. How many of you have um, how many of you have ever been to the Answers in Genesis, uh, the Ark, the museum, one of the two of them? How many of you have been? Okay, yeah, a lot of you have been. Yeah, that's um glad you've been. Uh, what's his face? Mueller down here just raised his hand. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I've been. Yeah, you sang there. Yeah, he's not even listening. Um, yeah, anyway, um, so um, uh, yeah, but that's a, that is a great place. If you've never been there, you need to get there sometime. We took some uh, young people from our church there, and, um, and uh, it was just a great faith builder for them. They got to see what ministry could look like without being a preacher. And I thought that was a very valuable thing for them, and because uh, you know, uh, don't ever think that if you're, uh, oh, I'm not a, um, uh, you know, I'm not a, uh, uh, I'm not a missionary, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a youth pastor, or something like that. I don't know if I can really be in. Um, uh, <laughs> am I not really in ministry? Oh my goodness, there are full time ministry positions where you don't have to preach, and uh, and I love Answers in Genesis being kind of a, a part of that. So a uh, great example for that. So uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs chapter number 28. Book of Proverbs and chapter number 28. That's <coughs> where we'll go today. Okay, how many of you, um, <laughs> how many of you actually did your Wednesday night homework on Monday and your Thursday night homework tonight? How many of you actually did that? Two? Three, four, five. Hey, some of you, she's like, I almost got there. I'm really close. Yeah, that's good. All right, all right. Yeah, um, yeah, some of you actually went after that. How many of you are like, I got a lot to do tonight before tomorrow? Anyone like that? Oh, just a few of you. No, the rest of you are, you're just totally good. Yeah, that's great. Huh? We're, we're going to preach on lying tonight, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, so um, I hope that you are, uh, uh, that you are, sit, listen, don't get behind on, on your schoolwork, stay up with it. I know you don't have to do the way that I did it, but stay with it. Um, one of the things that I enjoyed was, um, uh, that really helped me is, I don't know, uh, one of the things about, you know, that finals week, final exams, and you're thinking about your GPA and what's going to be on it. Um, one of the things, I, I don't know, this was just me, I, I had uh, a thing where I just did not want a final exam to decide what my GPA was going to be. And so, um, uh, me, when I was in college, I was, uh, I was an A-B student. That was just the way I, wa- the way I was. Some of you might be a B-C student with an occasional A. Uh, maybe you're just all C's. I heard one guy at, um, when I went to school, he called and he said, I am the captain of the high C's. You can just call me. You know, whatever, you know, uh, wherever the Lord, the capacity the Lord's given you, one of the things, though, that I did is that, you know, I was like, well, that's what I am. And I had some time, sometimes it was, I barely scraped by with my B minus or whatever. So um, I had, um, uh, you know, A's and B's. It was always my goal. I didn't always get there. But here's, here's what it was. It was my goal in classes. You know, sometimes you have easier ones. And if I could land uh, somewhere in like a, for the A for the classes that were A's, if I could land right around a 95, or if it was a B, if I could get somewhere around 87, 88, I thought that is a perfect spot. Because then when final exams rolled around, if I got, I I did the math on these final exams. I looked at the percentages, the math, and I realized that if I got if I got my and for you maybe it's like a, maybe you're a BC student, maybe it's like an 85 and a 78 for you. For me, it was like 95 and an, or an 88. And if I could get my grade right there, if I I did, got a 100% on my exam, I could not raise my score, and if I got a zero, it couldn't lower my grade another letter. So you know what I did during final exam week? Chilled. You know, it drove my parents nuts, you know, because <laughs> they're like, well, if I get a zero, it's not going to take my grade down. If I get 100, it's not going to take it up, so what am I supposed to do? Oh, you could just, you could just feel like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I strategized. Oh, yeah, it was a good strategy. He's thinking about it. He's like, this 
my life just changed forever. And it's, it wasn't even the preaching. Yeah, he's processing this right back here. And like, my life is going to be different. And uh, so maybe yours will too. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, do whatever you need to do. Keep yourself up with um, the schoolwork. But, of course, also don't, um, don't lose sight of being involved in ministry. One of the things also is you are here. You're uh, probably not underneath. You're probably not in a very close range to your parents. And so this is a lot of time for you to really get involved uh, in churches and in church ministry, and just really cut your teeth on that, and uh, get involved in that uh, right now, even when you're still um, in college. So um, we're going to be looking here tonight at Proverbs chapter 28, and folks, this is a uh, this is a powerful verse. And again, um, if the uh, if the truth of last night about Jesus and the beauty of the cross and just what the Lord has done for us, if that really stirs us the way that we like to t- say that it does, then tonight should not be that difficult of a night. Um, But folks, I hope that every one of you will submit to whatever God says he wants from you tonight. You just sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. Oftentimes, we put that with a little asterisk by it. That I will follow Jesus unless he asks for this. So let the Lord speak to you tonight, and let uh, the Holy Spirit lead, lead in this tonight. Okay, Proverbs chapter 28. Let's go down to verse number 13. Proverbs 28, verse number 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Let's pray. Let's ask God to open our eyes. Lord, I pray that you would bless. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just open our eyes and help us to see the truth of your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would um, just bring conviction to the heart that needs to be convicted. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just give me the words to say. Just let all things come through clearly and do a great work on the hearts of every man, woman uh, that is here this evening. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you don't have to think very far back for this. Some of you adults might have to really brush the cobwebs away. Uh, But uh, remember high school? Remember high school and, uh, you know, we were just talking about exams and such. Um, You know, of course, um, uh, if you were like any other normal teenager, I'm sure you had homework that you had to do um, when you were in high school. And um, did you ever have someone use this phrase with you, especially with the idea, uh, probably it was your parents, especially in the realm of homework. Uh, Maybe you were someone who, maybe you were like really studious and you're like, you had homework and you got that thing done. Or maybe you're one of those people that um, you had homework. And that was nice, you know? And you just kind of did, what, did whatever you wanted anyway. Um, did you ever have a time where um, uh, something like your homework had to get done, and one of your parents said, you know, we can do this one of two ways? Oh, somebody's like, oh, I'm getting flashbacks now. <laughs> I'm going to start shaking in my place. Yeah, you know, you, one of your parents comes up, and, uh, up to you and says, okay, listen, you are going to get that homework done. And I'm just going to tell you this. We can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. And you're like, eh, mom, mom, what happened to you? You know, sit down, mom, sit down. You know, and, uh, you know, it's kind of creepy. Um, but, um, and so what was, the, what, what, in regards to your homework, what was the easy way? The easy way was sit down and do it. You know what the hard way was that your parents were referring to? Um, you'll still get it done, but we're going to attach a threat to it. Right? Weren't your parents just talented at threats? You know, they had, they had some good ones, right? You know, maybe it, was, uh, maybe it was you get your homework done, but maybe before bed, or you're grounded. 
How many of you have ever been grounded before? At least I've had that happen. Yeah, okay. All right. Um, or maybe it's um, uh, you are going to get that homework done or I'll take your phone away. Oh, yeah. Um, or uh, if you don't get that homework done, you can't go to the game tonight with your friends or, or something like that. And so there was an easy way and a hard way. And you, maybe you say, Matt, why do you bring that up? Here's why. Because uh, if you know Jesus as your Savior, which so many of you, probably, basically all of you testify. I mean, I couldn't see every hand. But as far as I know, just about every person in this room testifies and says, I've received Jesus as my Savior. Then that means as a Christian, you are going to face attacks. Attacks from the world, attacks from your own flesh, and attacks from the devil. Now, one of the great things is that we, um, is that we do not have to sin. I'm, I'm really kind of thinking on this, praying about this. Tomorrow morning, we may address that issue in particular about how God says that we don't have to sin. But, um, but one of the things also is that even though we realize that the Bible teaches that we don't have to sin, the reality is this, is that we do have flesh and that, uh, and that because we have flesh, we know there's going to be struggles. We know there's going to be mistakes. We know we're not going to reach true perfection until uh, we gl- reach our glorified bodies. So an important question for the Christian isn't so much, am I going to sin in this world? But the important question is, what do I do if I do sin? Can I tell you something, young people? In regards to that question, what do I do when I do sin? God says there's an easy way to deal with it, and there's a hard way. And you know, God would much rather that you deal with your sin the easy way. And I'll tell you what, you probably would too. But you might be here tonight and you would much rather, I'd rather, I'm going to do this the hard way. I'm going to do with my sin the hard way. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want with my life. Listen, God is not out to ruin your life just by telling you what you can and cannot do. Rather, God wants to protect you from self-destruction. Maybe you're here today, you know, Jesus as your Savior, but maybe especially coming back to college, some of you may have brought a whole lot of baggage with you. I'm not just talking about, you know, girls in your 48 pairs of shoes. And the one random guy who's also got 48 pairs of shoes. <laughs> but what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm going at is this, is that some of you have come to school and you've brought a whole mess of baggage. There's a whole lot of stuff that's been happening. It's not good stuff. And it's been happening for a long time and there's a whole lot of shame guilt and habits that are being built up. And so what we have here tonight from our passage, from these two verses, is God telling us how we should handle our sin. Three simple instructions from these verses about how to handle our sin. Number one, it's, uh, number one when you sin, God says, don't cover it. Verse number 13 says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. So God says, do not cover it. So the word cover... Uh, means simply to cover something up or to conceal. It means to try to hide it from others. You know, um, covering uh, covering people's um, uh, covering people's wrongdoings is such a thing today. I mean, politicians do it all the time. I mean, with politicians, you could have them completely exposed, and they're still denying it. I mean, when was the last time you saw a politician stand up in front of a camera and say, "You know what I did over here was absolutely wrong, and I want to ask the forgiveness of the American people"? <laughs> that would be a weird thing. Uh, people just don't. People just don't do that. That's It's not a natural thing. We would rather cover up the wrongdoings that we do. I mean, you just, um, you watch, if you ever watch one of those shows, those cops shows, live PD, 
you know, those, those poor police officers are pulling these, you know, pulling these guys out of cars at traffic stops, and they're like, hey, I, I smell, I smell a bit, you know, I can really smell a whole lot of, you know, this drug in there. You want, why don't you come on out? And then he pulls, you know, the officer goes into the car and pulls out a crack pipe and says, um, I just found this thing in your car. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know nothing about that. No. Uh, Was this your car? No, it's not my car. Oh, really? Well, I just pulled out your registration and it has your name on it. Oh, no, that's not my registration. How is it? How is that not your registration? Is that your name? No, it's not my name. Give me your license. This is your name, right? No, it's not my name. It's got your picture on it. No, it's not me. why don't you sit in the car for a minute and I'll come back and let you know how much trouble you're in, you know? And uh, that's just our society is we just deny and deny and try to cover up with any, with all the, with all the power that we have to cover up wrong things we do. Maybe it's because of pride. We don't like to be caught. Maybe it's because of embarrassment. But we lo- do we not love to cover our sins? And we cover them to the, uh, that, so that other people do not know. And some of you here tonight have a specific sin that you have become really good at covering up and hiding. Some of you here tonight know exactly how to get around the filters that are on here. You know exactly how to get between Wi-Fi and data and get your lustful desires fulfilled. You've gotten good at deleting history. You've successfully covered the fact that you're indulging in a whole lot of filth. You're covering it. You've succeeded at covering it. Maybe it's not lustful things. Maybe it's uh, maybe there's uh, maybe there's uh, music that's on your iTunes. Maybe there's music that's on your Spotify, and you've got and you've got these streaming. You've got this um, stuff streaming through, and you've got all these things that, for one thing, your school doesn't approve on. For another thing, your parents don't approve of, and for another thing, just put them aside. God doesn't approve of it. Oh, but relax. You know exactly how to fake it past, uh, you know, when the RA comes in, you've got the, the, you got the Bluetooth earbud on the one side, and he can't see that, and you're pumping your mind full of stuff that God would call filth. And yeah, you've gotten good at covering it and hiding it so that no one else can see it. Some of you, maybe you've gotten a friend. Maybe some of you girls have gotten a friend to lie for you so that you could get out and see the guy that your parents told you not to go with. Some of you guys have got another guy to sneak you back in somewhere because you wanted to get out and get with a girl to do things that were absolutely inappropriate. And you have succeeded at hiding it. Maybe it's, um, uh, maybe it's even just on your schoolwork, your academics. Some of you know how to cheat, and you're good at it. And you've done it last semester. Maybe you've already figured out how you're going to do it already in some of the classes this, this semester, and you've got that thing hidden. No one knows that you cheat, but you sure do. Maybe it's what we talked about this morning. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's just a downright hatred that you have for someone else. And oh, yeah, 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 no one else knows about it. That's how you're able to keep your position in the school. But God knows about it. And you have covered that thing and covered it up so that no one else knows about it. Can I tell you something about covering sin? One is this, is that hiding sin, hey, listen, you may have successfully hidden it uh, from what you can tell from other people, but know this, is that hiding sin from God is impossible. How foolish we must be to think that God does not know, that God does not care, or that God has forgotten. Hebrews 4.13 says, neither is there any creature 
that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Numbers 32, 23 says, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. You might have successfully hidden your sin from your pastor. You may have hidden it from your parents. You may have hidden it from your youth pastor. You may have hidden something from the school staff here. You may have hidden something from your girlfriend. You may have hidden something from your boyfriend. You may have hidden it from your teachers. But I'm going to tell you what. God's eyes are wide open and you have not hidden it from God. And God knows exactly what is going on. Hiding sin from God is absolutely impossible. But know this also is that hiding sin does not pay off. Think about the author of this book, Proverbs, and this section where we're at. You know, Solomon. Solomon, as he's writing these words under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I wonder if he thought back on his dad, who thought he could hide his sin. If you know, um, if you know um, oh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 or 12, uh, how, uh, how David, he's out on his rooftop, lusts after a woman, brings her in, and they have an immoral relationship together. She gets pregnant. He calls her husband in and tries to get him to spend some time with her so that he'll think that the child is his, and so that, but it won't happen. And so he goes out, gets her husband murdered, then takes, then takes his, uh, his, uh, his new widow, brings her to himself, marries her, and then announces, oh, we're expecting And he thought his sin had been successfully covered. Folks, it wasn't that much longer later, months later, but it wasn't that long before a prophet of God came and shook his finger in the king's face, the man who thought he had successfully hidden his sin, and said, thou art the man. You are the man. In in 2 Samuel, he said, wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? And like I said, hiding sin does not pay off. Do you know what David paid, the, the price that he paid to cover his sin? baby died that he got her pregnant with he had three other children three other children Amnon Adonijah and Absalom all three of these these boys were absolutely wicked young men all three of them his sons were all murdered and you know the prophet Nathan had said listen you want to said oh I understand God can forgive you God will forgive you but there's going to be some consequences for this sin the fact that you hid this sin and Nathan said one of the consequences is that you are going to have conflict in your family boy two of those guys Absalom and Nijah those boys they actually led organized and led successful revolts against King David before they were murdered listen guys hiding sin is not going to pay off Right now, there's not a, there may not be a human being that knows what you got going on. But I'm going to tell you what, God knows. And it is not going to pay out what you, the, the, the payout you think it's going to give you. It is not going to pay out because hiding sin from God is impossible. Hiding sin does not pay off. And hiding sin brings great guilt and conviction. Verse 13 says, he that covereth his sins, it says, shall not prosper the word prosper there is a word that means to be successful and to thrive it just has the idea that everything about life the word prosper there has the idea of everything in life just thriving and being all all gung-ho going forward but the bible says that when you cover sin god says you will not thrive 
You will not thrive spiritually. You will not thrive emotionally. And you, sometimes you don't even thrive physically. You know, one of the things that David brings out in uh, Psalm 32 and in Psalm 51, he talks about how with his very body, that as he held on to the sin, as he gives testimony later on about the, the months that he spent hiding his sin, one of the things David brings out is he says that the hand of God was heavy upon me. He talks about his moisture, his sweat being turned into drought. He talks about how his bones wax old, which means literally David's body aged faster than it was supposed to because God was putting guilt and conviction and pressure upon his heart that he needed to get right with God. And that's right where some of you are. Is that you've got so much hidden sin. You've got so much stuff buried where no one else can see it. You've got attitudes buried deep where no one can dig into your heart. You've got, you've got a hatred. You've got an attitude. You've got music where people cannot see what you have. You, no one knows what, what movies you've been streaming because you're paying the services now. Nobody knows about the stuff that you've been scrolling through on TikTok. No one knows about the movies that you've been indulging in. No one may know about when you snuck off campus. No one may know in the physical world, but God does know. And I'm going to tell you what, God has been putting some conviction and some pressure on some of your hearts hey listen do you know what conviction is conviction is god's gentler method of trying to get your attention before he has to discipline you conviction is god's gentler method of trying to get your attention before he has to discipline you and some of you are ignoring god with all your might you know, the verse, uh, James 4 says that God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. And I wonder if, um, because of your pride, the word resist there has the idea of, of a stiff arm. You know, in football, the stiff arm, when a guy's running with the ball, he thinks he's going to be tackled. Instead of letting him hit his body, he gives him his arm and holds him out there and maybe even pushes him down so he can t- continue on with his run. Some of you are doing exactly that to God. Is God... He's kind of pounding on your heart. He's not, he's not giving you any kind of discipline, though he should be, but rather he's kind of tapping on your heart and kind of, um, kind, of uh, t- bab- uh, kind of hitting you on the back of the head saying, hey, 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 you need to get right with me. You need to come clean with God about this sin, and yet you're pushing him off. Listen, hiding that sin is not going to pay out the way you think it's going to be. It's not going to. Romans, or, uh, Numbers 32.23 says, be sure your sin will find you out, will expose you. That's the idea of that phrase is, will expose you. Have you been covering sins, been hiding it from your parents, hiding it from your pastor, hiding it from your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your school? Listen, guys, one day it's coming out. One day it's coming out. Guys, God says there's an easy way to handle this, or you can do it the hard way. And the hard way is when God exposes it when you weren't ready for it. There may come a shame and an embarrassment and a guilt that may be there for life that would have have been easily dealt with if you would have come clean with God when he was convicting you. Numbers, Numbers says, be sure your sin 
will find you out. It will expose you. No matter how small you think it may be, no matter how big it is, whatever it is, listen, don't, God says, first thing to realize about your sin is don't cover it. But then he says, number two, second instruction God gives, verse 13, he says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But instruction number two is this. God says, don't cover it, but confess it. Confess it. Verse 13, he says, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. Now, people, this word confess is so important. This word confess, by the way, is extremely, it's a very beautiful word. It's a fantastic word. The word confess here is a word, it has the idea of, especially in our English, to, it has the idea of to say the same thing as, and the Hebrew here, I believe, also has the idea of to acknowledge something, to admit something, to accept something. And so what God wants you to do with your sin is he wants you to admit it and to acknowledge it for being the sin that God God says it is. In Psalm 51, where David talks about how he had to get his sin with, uh, how he had to get that sin with that woman right with God, he talks about how um, he, ta- he describes his sin as a transgression, which again is a word, it's the idea of a rebellion or revolt. You know what David had to accept? He had to accept that his sin was not just some little thing, but he had to understand and accept that his sin was a big deal before God that it was an act of outright rebellion against God. See, guys, when we commit sin, it's not just a mistake. Your sin is not a mistake. Your sin is an act of outright rebellion against God. Your sin is not just a bad habit, although it may be habitual. Your sin is an act of rebellion against God. Your sin is not just a struggle, though it may be a struggle for you. It is an act of outright rebellion against God. I'll tell you one that I heard in Bible college all the time, especially uh, right before Christmas break. I'd always hear guys, uh, and God, can, I, can I tell you something, guys, you guys who are in spiritual leadership in some roles, don't use this phrase ever again, okay? Don't do this. I heard guys uh, that would always say, hey, listen, you know, you're gonna, we're going home for the semester, listen. While you're home for the semester, don't do anything stupid. And I know what they meant. They weren't just talking about, you know, don't, don't ride, you know, like um, skis off the roof. They weren't just talking about that. They were really, what they were saying was, what they should have said was, they were trying to say, don't sin. Don't do sinful things. But can I tell you something? Sinning against God is not you being stupid. It is an act of outright rebellion against God. When you sin against God, don't come up and say, well, I was just being stupid. Uh-uh. No, you were committing an act of outright rebellion against God. Well, to stop renaming your sin and saying, well, it's just a bad decision. Yeah, it was a bad decision, but it was a lot more than that. It was an act of outright rebellion against God. Don't just call your sin struggle an addiction, though it might be addicting. Recognize it as an outright rebellion against God. Young people, we've got to learn to call our time, uh, uh, anything that God calls sin, we need to learn to call it sin too. If it's time-wasting, don't just say, well, yeah, it's just uh, I was being a little stupid with my time. No, if you wasted time, you've sinned against God. Call it what it is. If you have, um, if you have wicked friends, don't just say, well, it's kind of a, uh, just kind of a bad habit I've been getting into. No, no, no. If you're keeping bad company, read the book of Proverbs, call that sin what it is. If you've got wrong music in your life, you need to call that sin what it is. If you've got harbored anger in your heart, call it the sin that it is. If you've got a wicked relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, call that, 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 that relationship what it is. Call it sinful. If you've got coveting, if you've got lust, if you've got rebellion against authority, you've got a bad attitude, you've got 
irritability. You neglect Bible reading and prayer. Uh, You have a disregard for purity. Maybe you have pride. Maybe you are a cheater. Whatever it is, don't just try to rename, justify, and dumb down what God calls sin. Because if you come to God and say, ooh, yeah, you know, yeah, you know that thing I've been doing, uh, yeah, Lord, I guess, yeah, I, I've been stupid, Lord. I really shouldn't have done that. I've been making some mistakes in my life. No, 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 no. No, no, I'll, I'll just tell you this. If you sin against your spouse one day, you try going to your spouse and saying, you know, I just made some mistakes and I had some bad decisions in my life, so I just want to apologize. I'm just going to tell you what, guys, you ain't going nowhere. That's not going to get you anywhere. Yet we do that with God. Like, oh, well, God understands. Yeah, what God understands is that you think less of your sin than God does. And you better call your sin what God does. That's the idea of the word confess. The word confess is to admit what God says is sin. Stop trying to justify it. Stop trying to excuse it. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming others for it. And accept that you are the one responsible for your choices. But then, you know, can we also say this on that word confess is, uh, it might be a duh question, but let's ask it. To whom are we supposed to confess our sin? Well, I think uh, the duh obvious one is that we're to confess our is that we're to confess our sin to God. Hey, listen, listen. Here's here's something that's really great. Is that um, listen? Some of you are sitting here tonight, and you're already putting up a wall. You're already hardening your, hardening your heart and saying, "Matt, you can say whatever you want. You can call me out whatever you want. I'm going to live my life the way I want." <laughs> you, you enjoy that route. You will hate it in the end. But for those of you who are saying, "Oh my goodness, God's showing me. God's exposing this to me. I realize that now. I've been doing some wicked things before the Lord. What am I supposed to do? What am I going to do about this?" Listen. Do you know what's really good is I don't know how far you've gone. I don't know how deep you have gone into some sin, even though you say that you're saved i don't know how bad it has gotten but i know this you haven't gone beyond the point of no return you say matt you don't know what i've done oh yeah you're right but i know the grace of god and the romans 5 says that where sin abounded grace did much more abound that no matter how far you have gone, how deep in you have gone, there is no sin that is beyond the reach of the mercies of God. What is your sin? How bad has it gotten? How long has it been covered? Good news. God will forgive you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. For God is the one, according to Psalm 103, that forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. He is the one who can heal the heart. Some of you, you have sinned so far, and you, for lack of a better way to put it, you need the mercy of God. You need the mercy that, by the way, only comes when you confess your sin. You know what happens when you confess your sin? When you're willing to admit your sin to God and you finally come to the point and say, wow, what I have done, this is not just a mistake. This is not just me being stupid. This is not just a bad decision, but I've sinned. This this loss that I have, God, this anger that I have, God, this lying that I have, God, this cheating that I have, God, this attitude, this neglect of the Bible and prayer, this, these sins that I have, God, these are not just, uh, just uh, average things. These are sins against you. Listen, friends, do you know what happens when you will admit your sin as sin to God? The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, that he that confesseth his sins and forsaketh them, we'll talk about forsaken in a minute, it says he shall have mercy. God God loves to show mercy. We're going to talk about that more at the end. But know that when you confess your sin to God, God always gives mercy. But notice also, 
in verse 13, he says to confess your sin. So we talk about to whom should we confess? Obviously, God should hear our confession, but also people who we have sinned against should hear our confession. You know, in Acts chapter 24, 24, yeah, Acts 24, verse 16, Paul said that he keeps himself a conscience that is void of offense toward God and man. In other words, if he sinned against someone, Paul said, I get that right with the other someone. Some of you, your sin may have just been, you may have just been between you and the Lord. And you may have done, um, and you may have done things against, uh, against the Lord that you need to confess. But some of you, the sin goes way deeper and it's been against other people. Some of you guys here have sinned greatly against your girlfriend and that you have gotten them to do things with you that you're not doing for love, you're doing it for lust. You've lied to her and told her that, oh no, it's because I love you. Some of you need to get right with your girlfriend and say, forgive me for how I have done things with you. Some of you have sinned against your parents. Some of you have, have, done, have said horrible things towards your parents. And you know exactly what they are. Because maybe they happened last night again. Some of you have maybe have said horrible things towards some kind of a friend. Some of you maybe have been absolutely unkind. Some of you are absolutely cruel on messaging. And you, you coward. You wouldn't say it to their face, but you would tear people apart so long as you can hide behind a screen. Sick. Well, some of you need to get right with someone who you have torn apart your phone because you have just been absolutely brutal absolutely unkind maybe it's um maybe there's been something that has gone on here at the school maybe some of you last semester stole grades that weren't yours also known as cheating some of you need to get right with your school Because you've directly sinned against this school on purpose, knowingly, yeah. Some of you may need to get right with your school. Some of you may need to get right with your pastor. You may need to get right with your youth pastor. Maybe you have friends uh, that, you need to get, uh, that you need to get right about. I don't know. But your sin needs to be confessed. Definitely needs to be confessed to God. But it also needs to be confessed to those against whom you have sinned. Listen, it doesn't mean that you have to beat yourself up and display on Facebook all the evil that you've done to kind of do some self-penance before God will forgive you. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. I'm just saying that if you have sinned against someone else, you need to come clean with them too. So when you sin, one, don't cover. Two, confess. Three, forsake. Look at the verse. It says, but whoso confesseth, and forsaketh these sins, he says, shall have mercy. Now, uh, let me just tell you guys something. I struggled with this word forsake for, for really kind of a long time. Because I looked at this, and uh, especially in the English word that we would typically use the word forsake today. We look at that word and we think, oh my goodness. So in other words, I have to confess my sin, but then I have to, do I have to like totally, a lot of times we look at that word and assume that God wants us to abandon this thing for a certain amount of time, which God does want us to abandon our sin. But he says that there is no mercy until you confess and forsake it. 
And I remember for really for kind of a long time looking at it thinking, okay, so does this mean that I have to like prove myself a while before I actually receive mercy? Do I have to actually improve in this a while and show that that thing is far behind before God would show me mercy? Folks, if that was true, that would mean that sanctification was accomplished by works. But it's not. Salvation is not of works. Sanctification is not of works. So what does the word, uh, this word forsake mean? Oh, this is great. As I studied this word, it has an idea behind it of the concept to renounce something. You know what the word renounce means? It's the idea of, um, like, uh, especially in the medical field. You know, a lot of times... Um, Certain things are believed for a long time, and then you have to, and then, uh, but then some more study comes up that shows that what was believed for a long time uh, is not true. For example, um, scientists used to believe in something called spontaneous generation. They could view these microorganisms uh, that were on, uh, that were in different places, and they knew these things were bad. And for the longest time, scientists believed that those microorganisms came about by spontaneous generation. Do you know what spontaneous generation is? That's fancy English for <laughs> They believe that this, these microorganisms, microorganisms just kind of, there they are. Huh, I don't know where they came from. They just kind of, there they are. They believe, people believe this <coughs> for a long time. Then along comes this guy. Anyone ever heard of Louis Pasteur? You ever heard of Louis Pasteur? Sure. Yeah, then along comes this random guy by the name of Louis Pasteur, and he does studies and proves now, these micro, microorganisms do not come about by spontaneous generation. They come about by germs. And so he shows his studies to the French Academy of Sciences. And when he shows them, the Academy of Sciences realizes Pasteur is right. We have been wrong. They present the findings to doctors and scientists all across France. And now every French doctor had to decide, am I going to believe what I've always believed? Or am I going to renounce that belief? Basically saying, I don't believe that anymore. And there were a bunch of French doctors that really struggled and said, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not doing it. But there were many that renounced their belief in spontaneous generation and embraced the concept of germs. Folks, that is the idea of the word forsake. It's the idea of God saying here, he's saying that, he's saying not, it's not that God is, ex- is expecting you to, uh, to improve for a certain amount of time before God will forgive you. No, it's the idea God says, I want you to renounce this sin. It's the idea that says, God, I may not be perfect. I know I won't be absolutely perfect in the future until I see you in glory. But God, by your help, by your grace, I want life different now. Some of you, boy, you know, when, you talk to, when you talk to the Lord, the Lord knows your hearts. And some of you, you just confess sin because you want to kind of see if you can roll some of the guilt off. But, boy, let me tell you something. When, when you come before God and you say, this sin that I've been doing, this pornography that I've been into, this music that I've been indulging in, this, this, um, th- these actions I've been doing with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, these, uh, this attitude that I have had, this spirit that I have had, this anger that I've held on to, this lying, this cheating I've held on to, God, I don't want it anymore. That is the word forsake. It's the idea of renouncing, saying, God, I don't want this sin anymore. It's really a lot of the idea, it's really the concept of repentance that says, I'm going this way. God, I can't just all just change my life around. I need you to do that. So it's the idea of repentance is, is now looking, it's a turn, turning from your sin to turn to Jesus so that he can turn you and change your life. 
lot of times we think that, you know, forsaking sin is just, well, I just got to improve myself. And if I finally improve myself and I've, if I start finally uh, doing better, if in the next two weeks I kind of improve in my sin struggle, then God will forgive me. People, that is not in the Bible. And that is sanctification by works. And I'm going to tell you what, I am glad that when God says he forgives, when you confess, I'm glad that he just does that. Because sometimes we look at the word confess and the idea of forgiving, and we just think, oh my goodness, you know, um, shouldn't I have to prove myself? You know why we oftentimes think that? It's because other people require us to do better for like two, three weeks, then they'll forgive us. Some of y'all have parents that do that? That they, um, they hear it when you say you're, you're sorry for something, but they say, but you know they're holding a grudge against you. And then it's all of a sudden like it kind of dissipates once you improve in that area in a couple weeks. Can I tell you something? Isn't it great that God is not like your parents? Isn't it great that the Bible says that when you will confess and you will renounce your sin, say, God, I admit now this sin is sin, and I don't want anything more to do with it. Do you know what the Bible says will happen? It says that when you ask forgiveness of God, the Bible says that your confession and your renouncement of your sin always triggers God's mercy. You know, oftentimes all we see God is he's just waiting in heaven like, come on, do it again, do it again, do, do, do it again. And we just expect that God is just in heaven, not, you know, just like, oh, I can't wait till he sins again so I can punish this one finally. No, you know what God is in heaven waiting with? He's not waiting with a stick to strike you. He is waiting with a bucket of mercy to pour out upon you if you will confess your sin and you'll admit that it's sin. God has a whole bucket of mercy that he wants to pour out on you, uh, pour out on you tonight if you'll come clean with the sin that you've been covering. You say, but, but, but if I, I come clean, you, Matt, you don't know this sin. I've been doing this two, three, four, five years. I've been doing this thing like forever, and God's finally getting my attention. I want to get right with him. But, 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 but I've done so many years of wrong. I've done so little of right. Can I tell you something? God does not need you to do a bunch of right before he forgives you. You know when God forgives you? God forgives you when you confess your sin and renounce it as sin. That is when God forgives. You say, why would God do that? You know why? Because that's just what God does. And that's a good That's a really good thing. Because if we had to improve before God forgave, we'd be in trouble. But you know what's neat? Is every time you will confess your sin to God, God says there's always mercy. Listen, your parents may not give you mercy. God does. Oh, yeah. God always gives mercy mercy no matter how deep you've gone no matter how far you've gone no matter how many people you have defiled along the way god always gives mercy david said in psalm 32 i acknowledge my sin unto thee mine iniquity have i not hid i said i will confess my transgressions unto the lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin now let me just say this uh, it does not you know of course god's forgiveness does not mean there won't be some consequences but i'll tell you what David, at the end of Psalm 51, found relief for his heart, for his soul. Even though he knew consequences would come, he found relief because he was finally clean before God and the guilt had been lifted. 
Aren't you tired of walking with this much guilt? Aren't you tired of, of hiding this sin? Because one day, if, you aren't gonna come, if you're not going to bring it out before God, God's going to bring it out. And it's not going to be fun. So, God always, so the Bible promises that when you confess and forsake it, there'll be mercy, definitely mercy with God. But can we throw this in there? Remember we talked about before about you sin against other people, but you need to get right with them? Do you think that maybe there could be mercy from other people as well? Say, Matt, you don't know my situation. Listen, I think that one of the things also here with the idea of when you confess and forsake your sin is also that there will be mercy from other people. Say, in what way? Let me just, let me just give you an example. Um, I was with, a, uh, was with an evangelistic team out west, and uh, we were doing a youth rally at a, a, youth rally at a, church, at a Christian school. We're doing this um, uh, rally, and uh, the preacher preaches on, on uh, moral purity and talked about uh, you know, being, being clean in your life in that way. And all he said was at the end, because it was just a chapel in the Christian school, he said, listen, if some of you are struggling with moral purity, he said, uh, when I dismiss, you just say afterwards, and one of us will talk with you. If you don't, don't want to talk, you don't have to stay. And so the preacher dismissed, and I, was, I wasn't the preacher. I was just one of the team captains on this team. And so everyone dismissed. And uh, one of the, just one guy stayed behind. Well, we had a three-team competition going on that week, and, and he was on my team. And so I immediately go up to this guy and said, hey, you sticking around? Did you want to talk? He said, yeah. He said, I, I got to talk. And as we began to talk, it came out, this guy had a serious problem with pornography. And you know what, though? He wanted out. He finally saw it for the sin that he was. He wanted to get it right with God. And so we talked through it. He knew it was sin. He knew it was wrong. He knew he needed to get right with God. And so he prayed, confessed his sin to the Lord, and he, came, he got it right with the Lord. God gave him mercy in that, t- in that moment. And then I looked at him and I said, hey, um, does your Christian school have a rule about pornography? People, his eyes got so big as all of a sudden he caught it. Oh, no. He said, I think there is. He said, I think you get expelled. And I said, well, um, are you willing to get this right with your school? Even if it's that. You know what he said to me? He said, I'll do whatever I have to do to be right with God. So here's what I did. I went to the principal. I went to his office, and uh, I was actually not in trouble. Principal's office, and I wasn't in trouble. It's nice. And uh, I went in there, and I said, hey, listen, I got a guy, one of your students, and he's having an issue with pornography. He wants to get it right with God. Uh, he's gotten it right with the Lord, and he um, I said, what's the penalty for having pornography? And the principal immediately said, well, it's expulsion. So we expel them. Unless, oh, unless they come to us and tell us they have a problem, they said, we usually don't expel them. We'll take away some privileges, and we'll probably put them through some mandatory counseling, but we won't expel them. Cool. And, uh, and the principal said, no, don't tell them that. Just tell them to come to us. I said, I don't know. I won't tell them. 
So I came back to this guy, and I, and, uh, and I said, are you, willing, you know, are you willing to get right with your school? He said, whatever I got to do. And I remember a couple of those, maybe a couple class periods later, I remember I passed him in the hallway. He's like, uh, I'm going to get this. I'm going to tell the principal about it all. He said, but you know, he's kind of like, I'm probably going to get expelled, but, man, I'm going to be right with God. And so he goes in the office, and, you know, I know what's about to happen. And he comes out, and I'm telling you what, he comes out all the eyes bigger than ever, like, guess what? I didn't get expelled. I mean, I got my privileges taken away and some things, but I didn't get expelled. And I said, look at that. God kept his word. There was mercy. Whoa. It's almost like God keeps his word or something like that, you know? You know, uh, another guy, same, same team, is in a different state new, in, uh, on the East Coast. Um, guy wanted to get right with God. He had stuff he was watching on his, on his TV that was filthy. And, uh, of course, his parents weren't, uh, did not approve it. He did it behind his parents' back. And he got the thing right with God. And I said, hey, do you want to get this right? You should probably get this right with your parents. And, again, that same look of fear. He went to his parents, got it right with his parents, uh, and told his parents about it. And I, at least he went home that night, and I assume that's what he did. The next morning, I see this guy at school. I come up to him. I said, hey. Um, did you talk with your parents last night? I'm not kidding you. These were his words. And this was not like a big name guy on campus. These were his words. He said, I did. I said, how'd it go? He said, there was so much mercy. Whoa. Um, couple, couple summers back, I was, um, I was preaching at, uh, at Neighborhood Bible Time, the, the, uh, training. And uh, we had, uh, you know, we have a bunch of college-age guys. We're, get, we're getting ready to go out and preach uh, to children and teenagers all summer. And, I, and uh, we talked about the same thing. And um, one of the guys, he was, all those guys, really, pretty much all of them are in Bible college. One of the guys, he said, he said, I've been cheating. I've been cheating my Bible college. You know what he said? On the tests, remember these? Oh, I do. Remember, he said on the test, they asked that question, did you read? And it's worth like five, ten points, sometimes more than that. All they ask is, did you read on the quiz or on the test? Did you read this section? He said, I didn't, but I marked it. And I stole some good grades. And I cheated. And he said, I'm going to be right with God. I'm going to call them up and find out what I have to do. And you know what he did is he called his professor at the school, told him exactly what he did. And you know what the professor said? The professor said, he said, I forgive you. If you're willing to get this right with me, I forgive you. The only thing I ask is would you just go read the book? You know? Because you know, he said, that's all I really wanted. I just want you to grow from reading the book. Will you go read the, will you go read the book? And uh, the guy said, of course I'll go read the book. I will definitely do that. Okay, don't even worry about it. It's forgiven. There was mercy. And that's what God wants to give you. And you know, I think also people will give that to you too. The Bible says if you confess and forsake it, God says there will be mercy. You know, you might say, Matt, 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 you don't know my situation. You don't know my parents. I don't. But I do know that God's word all of a sudden was not bound by your situation. God's word spans your situation too. So is there hidden sin? Is there hidden sin in your life that is blocking your relationship with God? You know what the easy way is? Is to confess it and renounce it. And God says there'll be mercy. Oh, but you could, um, you could do like verse, um, verse uh, 14. You know, verse 14 says, happy is the man 
that feareth always. And the word fear here was an interesting word. It's not exactly the word reverence like we would normally see it. It was a different word that has the actual idea of trembling and uh, trembling and being scared. It's almost the idea of uh, happy is the man that is scared of going back into this sin. He says, those who want out of this sin, they want nothing to do with it anymore. He says, those are the people who are going to be happy. But he says in verse 14, he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. So you can sit here tonight, you can harden your heart. You can say, Matt, you can say whatever you want. You can bring up examples all you want. You can quote verses all you want. But I'm going to hang on to my sin. I'm going to do what I want. You can't tell me about what kind of music I ought to have in my life. You can't tell me about what I ought to be looking at. You can't tell me about my attitude. You can't tell me nothing, Matt. You can harden your heart. God says it will bring you to mischief. It's the idea that, like Numbers 32, 23 said, your sin is going to expose you. There's going to come a time when your sin that you thought had covered is going to come out. And it's going to wreck your marriage. And you're going to be sick to your stomach for years when you could have done it the easy way. Just confessed and forsaken it, renounced it, and experienced God's mercy. Now you have to go through all the consequences when they could have been lightened. Some of you are hardening your hearts. And listen, I, I grieve for you. I'm sorry. I'm glad I'm not you. You're going to just harden your heart. But I'm going to tell you what. Some of you, God is exposed right here tonight. It's so exposed to you that you need to come clean with God. Listen, God is so ready right now to cover you with his mercy. You know what may need to happen here tonight also? Part of this invitation that we're going to have here, some of you are going to need to come on down here to the front. When we do our invitation, you're just going to need to bow at the front and, and just pour things out before God. Some of you are going to need to get with a faculty member, and you're going to need to get away from everybody else, and you're going to need to pour your heart out to God. I'll tell you what some of you are going to need to do. Some of you are going to need to come down to the front, pray, pour it out before the Lord, and then finish the invitation by taking your phone, getting out of these doors, and get on the phone with someone. Maybe your parents. Maybe a brother or sister. Maybe a friend. I don't know. Well, listen, if you're not going to be right with God and man, I mean, if you're not going to be right with man, why be right with God? Confess and forsake, for that's where the mercy is. Let's bow our heads. We need to get to the invitation. Let's bow for for a prayer. Bow your heads and close your eyes. People, I'm not going to be complicated, okay? Let's make this really simple. How many of you would say, Matt, God showed me tonight that there is a sin issue in my life and I need to confess it and renounce it before God. I need to do that tonight. Would you raise your hand? How many of you would say that? Oh, yes, yes. Put them up and then put them down. Put them down. Yes, that's a good amount of hands. Put them down. Okay. How many of you would say, Matt, there are some people that I have sinned against, and I need to get right with them tonight. Or at some, or maybe they might be asleep. You might have to do it tomorrow. Do you say, Matt, there's some people I need to get right with. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, hey, yup, put them down, put them down. Good amount of you as well. Okay, all right. So God's exposed the stuff for, to you.
Okay, so if we could do this, um, let's have, if we could have a few of the Bible faculty, uh, at least here in the front or in the back. I know there's, I see there's a couple counselors back there as well. That's good. Um, please, uh, if we could have at least the counselors front and back. And if you want to talk to someone, <coughs> talk to someone. But listen, can I beg you not to do, please, do not just sit there and say, I'll deal with it another time. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is on top of you now, and he may not convict you later. So obey while God is putting the pressure and putting the conviction upon your heart. Obey the Lord.